Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. But this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are ready for your word. We thank you, God. Because we're standing here today only by your grace. but you did it we, we don't even know why but you did it you made a way when there was no way and we say thank you bless us now God as we look in your word give us insight by your Holy Spirit it's in Jesus name we pray amen So, you know, we live in a day and time when if we want an answer to a question, we go to Google, right? Before, when you were young and there was no Google, you call your grandmother, your grandfather, big mama, mud dear, big daddy, somebody, older brother, older sister. But now we go to Google. So I asked Google a question. What was the greatest boxing match of all time, the greatest fight of all time? And I just knew there was going to be consensus around the answer. And I discovered when I looked at five different lists of the greatest fights of all time, each list had a different fight at number one. Some had Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali in the first fight. Some had the thriller in Manila. Some had the war between Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns. Some claimed Aaron Pryor and Alexis Arguello. I mean, it was unbelievable. All of these different lists had different fights as their top fight of all time. But here's what I noticed that they had in common. One, both fighters showed up for the fight. Whatever fight they had at number one, there was no question that both of those fighters showed up for the fight. And each fighter took a punch and threw a punch. And they went at it for more than one round. There were no one-round knockouts on anybody's list. Some of those fights went eight, nine rounds. Most of them went the distance. But I'm telling you, the fights that they picked, when you looked at the clips, you had to say, well, yeah, I, I see. Yeah. They got after it. Because here's what each of those boxers, regardless of the match, what they knew. When you get in the ring, you better be ready to fight. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to know that in this Christian life, when you jump in the ring, you better be ready to fight. 
For those of you who think, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm not really a fighting kind of person, then I want you to know the devil is going to take you out. He's going to knock you out, knock you down. Every time you get ready to get back up, he's going to knock you down again because that's what the devil does. You have to be willing to fight. You've got to be willing to put forth some effort if you are going to become all that God wants you to be. We're walking through the book of Philippians, and we're coming to the close of Philippians chapter 1. We're in a series entitled The Joy Campaign. And the Joy Campaign is a walk through the book of Philippians, and we're looking at this sub-theme of living a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. And my brothers and sisters, I think all of us would agree, we're living in a trouble-filled world. Paul is writing from a Roman jail. He is on house arrest. He wrote this epistle from prison, hence it being linked with the prison epistles of Paul. He wrote it between 60 and 63 AD to the church at Philippi, a church that he helped to give birth to, but a church he didn't have a lot of opportunity to spend time with. He's in Rome awaiting trial. But it's interesting, in the midst of awaiting trial, 16 times in four chapters, he can talk about rejoicing or joy or a derivative thereof because he wants the Philippians to know specifically and he wants all of us to know as we eavesdrop through time, he wants us to understand that our joy is not dependent upon our circumstances, but we can have joy in spite of our circumstances. And today, I want to conclude a message I began last week entitled, How to Fight for a Joy-Filled Life. Every one of us has to be prepared to fight for our joy, to fight for our faith to put forth effort and energy, to put some work in to get what God has for you. Today, I want to share with you one aspect of this fight and what God wants to do and three points underneath that one. Here's the one point that I want to share with you today. You need to realize fighting for your faith activates God's power on your behalf. Fighting for your faith activates God's power on your behalf. It's amazing that many of us, when we think about the Christian life, we love to quote the verse, without God, you can do nothing. But here's what most of us miss as believers. While it is true without God, you can do nothing, it doesn't mean you should do nothing. It means whatever you do, you do it in the name of the Lord and you do it to the glory of the Lord and then you watch God add to what you are doing. Look at Philippians chapter 1 beginning at verse 28, the B part. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. This will be a sign to who? Well, go back to verse 28. Let me read it for you. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Paul says you've got to address your enemies, the enemies within and the enemy without. 
those emotions that will paralyze you, those emotions that will handcuff you, as well as those enemies that the enemy will use around you to discourage you, to dissuade you, to depress you. You got to recognize that you have some enemies within and some enemies without, and you have to make sure you are not intimidated in any way by your enemies. He says, this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. What's going to be a sign? That you fight. For you, verse 29, have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi to encourage them to live confidently in Christ no matter what they were going through. And he gives us several key factors, several key points He gives us several key ideas that we must implement in practice in our lives if we are going to live confidently in the Lord. Look at A. You need to realize through these battles you will be saved. You need to realize through these battles you will be saved. He says in verse 28, the B part This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Paul had met the enemy in Philippi, and he was now facing him in Rome. If Satan could not rob him of his joy in Philippi, he certainly wasn't going to allow the devil to rob him of his joy in Rome. He saw God doing too much, even through his handcuffs. And Paul rejoiced in the Lord, even in the midst of being on house arrest. Because he knew ultimately that he would be saved by the Lord. That word saved, salvation, speaks to being rescued, to being delivered, to being brought out. When you fight, Paul says you will win. And you will win not because of your strength, but because of God's strength. Not because you have the ability to save yourself, but because God can save you. But you have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to activate the power of God by the faith exercised in your fight. You say, well, pastor, I don't have much fight. Fight what little you can, and then trust God to add to it. Do what you can as if only your power could deliver you, and then trust God to do what you can't do that only he can do. But the fight is the fight for faith, and it's the fight by faith because you believe God is going to do what he said he was going to do. But watch B. You need to realize these battles prove you are suffering for Jesus Christ. The battles that you are facing, the battles that you are in, shows that you are suffering 
for Jesus Christ. He says, for you have, verse 29, been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, the privilege of trusting in Christ for our soul salvation, but he says you are also privileged to suffer for Christ. You trusted in him, but you are also privileged to suffer for him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself, Paul, what do you mean privileged to suffer for him? See, what Paul understands is, It is no privilege to suffer for yourself, but it is a privilege to suffer for the one who suffered for you. It is a privilege to go through what you go through because he went through what he went through for you. It is a privilege to know that he suffered, bled, and died for you and gave you the right to eternal life. And so in turn, now we get a chance to identify with him and suffer with him. That's why in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says uh, it's the fellowship of his sufferings. See, here's the problem that we have. Most of us who are new Christians... Don't understand that to trust Christ and to experience the privilege of trusting him as Savior means that we must learn how to trust him in our suffering because we will be facing new battles. Somehow when people become Christians, and I don't know if it's a fear because we think they don't want to become a Christian or will no longer want to become a Christian if they know there are going to be some trials and some tribulations and they're going to have some fighting that they have to do so we don't tell them. So they are shocked and surprised when trouble comes their way. But let me remind some of you who have been walking with Jesus for a minute because it seems like you have some self-imposed amnesia. That somehow you think, ooh, because I've been walking with Jesus for a minute, and I've had a couple of victories, and I read my Bible pretty regular, and I pray more than just over my food and when I go to bed, that somehow you think you've got an exemption from suffering for him. See, the Lord wants you to understand that you have been guaranteed battles in life. You have been guaranteed fights in life. Look at John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have tribulation. Not you might. You will have tribulation. So why are you shocked and surprised when tribulation comes? Tribulation is going to come. But the great news is that while we're in a fight, we are guaranteed the victory. Because greater is he that is in you, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when I learn how to take my eyes and my dependence off of my power and put my eyes and my dependence upon him, then guess what I do? I step out and I let the Lord fight my battles. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, 
And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, there it is, will suffer persecution. Not might, you will suffer persecution. So my brothers and sisters, please don't give up in the middle of the fight because the devil started swinging at you, because the devil hit you. Oh my God, the last thing you want to do is as a believer, when the devil comes at you, throw up your hands and holler out no mas. Because the devil is doing what you do when you get in the ring with somebody. And most of us don't have a problem hitting, we just have a problem when we get hit. And Paul says, no, you're going to suffer for him. But here's the final thing. Look at C. You need to realize these battles will prove you are struggling just like other believers. These battles will prove you are suffering just like other believers. Look at verse 30, Philippians chapter 1. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Paul says, you have seen my struggle. I've been struggling and I still am struggling. And we are in this struggle together. Now, I don't know about you, but I find unusual encouragement in verse 30. Because it is a stark reminder that I am not the only one going through something. Let me put a cord in the meter and park here for a second. One of the tricks that the devil will use to pull you down is to make you believe you're the only one going through what you're going through. And here's why he does that. Because if he can make you believe you're the only one going through it, and then God forbid if he actually convinces you that you're the only one who's ever gone through it, then you won't share with anybody else because you are embarrassed. After all, you're the only one who's ever gone through what you're going through. The devil has you convinced you're the only one who's ever doubted God. You're the only one who's ever been angry with God. You're the only one who's ever thought about turning their back on God. You're the only one who's been attacked by the devil the way the devil has attacked you. Nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody in the world has ever gone through what you're going through. Oh, my God. That's what the devil wants to do. And Paul says to the church at Philippi, we are in this struggle together. Now, listen, they're not on house arrest like Paul but Paul says we in this thing together we're in this thing together we're in the work and in the walk and in the warfare together you are not going through what you're going through alone I'm not going through what I'm going through alone and if you are following Jesus if you are walking with the Lord guess what you are going to go through some fights And let me give you some encouragement. No, no, no. First, let me give you some information. (laughs) Changing your address won't change your situation. Right? The problems will follow you because human nature is the same 
wherever you go. If you don't deal with that sin nature, if you don't deal with that attitude, if you don't deal with those repeated actions, you will move to a new part of town, you will move to a new city, you will move to a new state, and end up taking the same problems with you everywhere you go. You've got to face what that struggle is. And here's one of the things that God wants you to understand. Paul says we are going through this struggle together. And one of the benefits, matter of fact, let me give you three benefits of struggling and going through something with God. First of all, when you struggle and you go through something together with other believers or something that other believers are going through, it will help you grow closer to God. It will help you grow closer to God. See, it's when we go through things in life and we discover that we can't, that we are forced to turn our eyes toward God, turn our attention to God because he can. I, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and he was telling me he used to love to take girls to scary movies. I said, man, why, why, why would you take a girl to a scary movie? And he said, oh, man, I love taking them to scary movies. Because guess what? When they get scared, they move closer to me. He said, I, I can get my arms around them. I can hug on because they're scared. And I said, wow. I said, but you know what's interesting about that as I think about that? When we go through things in life that frighten us, scare us, take us to the end of our rope, guess what we do? We turn to God. We run to God. Not only will it help us grow closer to God, but it'll help us grow more in God. It'll help you grow deeper in your walk. See, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we will be such superficial saints. Uh, We'll have a kind of veneer Christianity. And then you'll pray. And your prayer may go something like this. Lord, I want to get closer to you. Lord, I want you to deepen my walk in the spirit. God, I want to become more like Jesus. And the Lord says, oh, really? Well, then let me put you in some situations where you've got to grow closer to me and grow in me. Let me put you in some situations so you have to pray like you've never prayed. Uh Uh-oh, I'm knocking on somebody's door. (laughs) Let, Let me put you in some situations where you have to read your Bible like you've never read your Bible before. Let me put you in some situations where you have to trust me like you've never trusted me before. Let me put you in some situations where you have to wait on me. I can hear God saying it. I'm going to put you in some situations where you have to wait on me like you've never waited before because the more I make you wait, the more I can build trust in you for me. But here's the last thing that God will do. He'll put you in a tough situation so you can grow closer to one another. God will put you in a situation so you can grow closer to other believers. Have you ever 
gone through something and found out somebody else was going through it and found almost a sense of peace and sanity in knowing that you weren't the only one going through it or you weren't the only one feeling that way? Yeah, you start talking to somebody, you go, man, I thought I was all by myself. Look at Philippians 1.30. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. That word struggle can be translated a contest or an effort, a conflict. Uh, what's interesting is it comes from the same word where we get the word agony from. Uh, something that can be a test, a trial, something that can be painful. It was the same word that was used to describe Jesus' struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and God wants you to know that in the midst of your fight, in the midst of your struggle, that you are not alone. But here's what God wants you to know. Focusing on the Lord in your fight, whether you're fighting for your faith or for your joy, gives you godly confidence in whatever you are going through. Listen to me carefully. And you get godly confidence in your fight, not because of who you are, but because of who God is. Second Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 8. Very familiar passage. Let's read it. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul never suggests that in his weakness, he's going to stop fighting. Paul says, no, in my weakness, I'm going to focus even more, lean even more, depend even more upon God. And I want to encourage somebody. In the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your inability, please don't take that as a sign to stop fighting. That's the time you really start fighting and you start depending on the power that God has for you. Let me close by simply telling you this. God is with you. God is with you. You say, why would God let me go through this and not be with me? No, the reason you made it through is because God is with you. God never guarantees to keep us from. But God's presence will keep us through. Look at Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand 
It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. So I got in this little fight uh, with this kid named Paul. We're both kids. And got in this fight with Paul. And when we got through with the fight, you know, everybody's like, ooh, you beat Paul up. Ooh, Paul, you lost. And it, it probably wasn't the best decision I ever made in my life because Paul had a bigger brother. And uh, I was an only child. And so I could hear kids saying, ooh, let's go get Chester. Chester was his older brother. We in elementary school. Chester's in junior high. <laughs> Probably should have been in high school. And uh, when I heard that they were going to get Chester, I took off and ran to my apartment. It was daytime, and you know, we had a rule, right, that you had to be in before dark. Um, and, and when it got close to dark, you better be in front of the building. Jacob Reese Housing Projects, 465 East 10th Street, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Well, I'm in the apartment, in my room, and the sun is still up. Good. My mother said, what, what's wrong with you? You all right? Oh, I'm fine. You don't feel good? Mm, I feel fine. I just wanted to come in and play. <laughs> and I stayed in the rest of the day and played, stayed in the next day. Finally, I go out to play about two days later, and I'm out there playing a little touch football with Marvin and Tony. Marvin was a little older. He was another one of those who was in middle school who should have been in high school. And uh, Tony was my best friend. Raynard and we out there playing football and all of a sudden I see this shadow come over me and it's Chester he's caught up with me I got nowhere to go so I hear you beat up my little brother you better keep your hands on my little brother I mean he's just wolfing and man I'm like I'm petrified because remember I'm in elementary school he's in middle school and should have been in high school now, Marvin took up for me. Marvin was the older kid that we was hanging out with, and Marvin's philosophy was, I can bully him, but you can't bully him because he's mine. When we get through, because Marvin takes up for me, I go home. Again, I'm home early, and they want to know what's going on. And, man, I just break down. I just start crying. Like, what's wrong with you? You know when you get that little stutter cry? Chester. What about Chester? Who is Chester? This is my father asking me this. And so I finally get out who is Chester and finally get out what happened. And my father said, where is Chester now? Uh, he, he, on the, he, on the, he on the school, on the playground. He said, let's go see Chester. Now, I need to tell y'all, when my dad said, let's go see Chester, 
<laughs> you talking about got brave? I was like, you, you, you going to go see? T- yeah, let's go see Chester. And we hit the street on our way over. We get to the playground, and my father said, who is Chester? And you know one of them scenes when everybody, nobody's going to tell who it is, but everybody looks at who it is? They were like, and the ball just started bouncing, and bip, 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 bip. (laughs) And he was like, you messing with my son? Well, no, no, he, he, you know, he messed with my brother. No, you messed with my son? And my dad had a cane, uh, had a little walking stick. And Chester said, uh, no, nah, man, look, I, I don't want no problems or nothing. He said, well, where you going? Why are you backing up? He said, because you got that stick. And, and it's like my father tossed the stick like it was a javelin. I mean, all I saw was that stick go through the air. He's like, I don't have no stick. You mess with my son. Long story short, we ended up going, and, and my mom knew Chester's mom, and they sat down, and they worked it out, and we were all cool. Me and Paul were cool. Me and Chester was cool. Everything was good. But here's the point I'm making. In my weakness, I learned how to depend on my father's strength. And all I'm trying to get somebody to see right now is in your weakness, God says, don't stop fighting, just depend on my strength. Know that in your fight, I've got your back. Fight for your faith, fight for your joy. If you're not willing to fight for it, don't expect the devil to just give it to you. And if you're not willing to fight for it, don't expect the devil to not fight to take it from you. In the midst of it all, fight for the joy that God has for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, for the admonition to fight for our joy-filled life. Uh, To know that it's not going to come passively. And if it does come, it won't stay in the midst of our passivity. That we have to fight, be willing to fight to get it, and we have to be willing to fight to keep it because the devil will take it if we're not willing to stand. We thank you for your word. Somebody today, God, is in need of a special blessing. You know what they're going through. You know where they are right now. God, somebody is at a place where they are struggling to even worship. God, may we worship for them. Somebody struggling to pray. God, may this prayer be a prayer for them and encourage them. And may we encourage each other in the midst of what we're going through. Where our prayers fall short, make up the differences. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody who's watching right now, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through, but here's what I do want you to know. God loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. If you are looking for a savior, if you need Jesus Christ in your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord, to pray 
what we call the prayer of salvation to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. It's not about rituals, routines, or religion. It's about a relationship with the God who loves you so much he loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. If you would go to our website or go to our app and click on the link, I want to accept Christ, but how? I will walk you through how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. If you've just accepted Christ into your life and you want to know what's next, click on that link and we'll give you five steps on how to ask Jesus Christ into your life and what you need to do afterwards. And if you're looking for a church home, we would love to welcome you to be part of our virtual church. What's unique about our virtual church is that it is intended and designed to facilitate your discipleship on a virtual platform. So that if you never get to Good Hope physically, through our online ministry, you will be able to not just receive content, but conversation, engagement with our ministry team leaders and with members of our ministry who would love to walk you through how to fulfill your potential in Jesus Christ. So whatever you need, we want to help you get to where God wants you to be. Last but certainly not least, we want to encourage you, those of you who would like to worship the Lord in giving, um, we are in the midst of what is arguably some of the busiest ministry time in our history. And God is still using our ministry to help change lives. And we are working with partners in our community, even in the midst of this pandemic, to change people's lives for Jesus Christ. And we would love for you to be a partner with us in the kingdom building work. Whether it's rental assistance or our food pantry where we're serving thousands of people every month. Uh, whatever it is, man, we would love for you to partner with us and be a part of that kingdom work. I want to thank you for being with us today. And I'm praying for you in the midst of the storms that have come uh, into the Gulf and into this area. And people who have been affected adversely around this country, uh, climate change and the denial of climate change, tornadoes, fires, and all that's going on. Our faith is sure because our faith is in the Lord Jesus. And we must trust him in the midst of it all. I want to encourage you. I want you to know we're praying for you. And if you need prayer, please let one of our ministry leaders know if you're in the chat room, let them know there's a live prayer room there and somebody will pray for you. You can also find counseling here at our church, whatever you need. Go to our website and let us know how we can serve you to help you be the best that God wants you to be. God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. Let's keep on encouraging each other and let's keep on walking this walk of faith. Fight the good fight and God will bring you.